Hi, Helen Hong. Hi, J. Keith Van Stratton. This is a very special time of year. What time is it? It's Max Fun Drive time. That's right. You know, we're really grateful that because of Max Fun members, we can keep doing this show during this very weird and kind of awful time, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have to say uh, doing this podcast is one of the highlights of uh, sometimes bleak times in quarantine. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear you say that uh, we can provide some uh, some light for you, Helen. And it's actually one of my favorite things about being on social media is hearing the same kind of feedback from our listeners. It really means uh, so much to us that our show means so much to you. And that's kind of why we're doing a drive right now to remind you that you're the reason that we can make this content for you to enjoy. Uh, Max Fun is audience supported, which means that we are free and we always will be to make the content that you enjoy because people like you contribute. Uh, how do people contribute, Helen? Uh, they can choose a monthly amount that's comfortable for them. The majority of people give $5 a month or $10 a month, and some upgrade to $20, $35, or even $100 a month for you high rollers out there. It's really mm -hmm. all about what works for you. Absolutely. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit more about how you can get involved in the Max Fun Drive uh, later in the show. Uh, for now, though, please know that you can go at any time to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's MaximumFun.org slash join. In the meantime, please enjoy this brand new episode that features two Max Fun hosts. And, of course, we recorded it during these times. So this will be a remote episode from our homes. And it's going to sound great because of the wonderful people that Max Fun can hire because of your support. I think they get it. Do you, Helen? I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> Play the music. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually... Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Nice to see you again. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, J. Keith. I am weathering... What is it? Day nine thousand and forty-two of the pandemic. Who knows? Number numbers <laughs> have lost their meaning. <laughs> yeah, things are good. Um, me and Dodger are just, you know, kicking it. Yes. Now, Dodger is your dog, and actually, that that brings up a, a point that I wanted to uh, to, to bring it up. Uh, this, of course, is the uh, Max Fun Drive. We're doing a month-long low-key Max Fun Drive. We had to postpone it for a couple times. I say we as if I had anything to do with it, but no, Max <laughs> Fun had to postpone it a couple times. But we're happy to uh, to be doing it now. And uh, one of the things about Max Fun Drive is it's a chance for our listeners to sort of thank us by supporting the show and supporting the network and becoming members or upgrading their membership. And it's a chance for us to thank our listeners by doing something special. And so. Uh, what I started doing last year, and I have no idea where this idea came from, was that if somebody posted on Twitter that they were supporting our show, I would thank them by posting a unique photo of my cat, Cookie. Since that last Max Fun Drive, I have a new pet, uh, Muffin, also a cat, and you have a new pet, Dodger, a dog. That's right. So I thought, oh, well, this will be fun this year when people uh, show their support. We'll thank them by giving a picture of any one of those three pets, and we'll let them choose which one that they want. And I am kind of devastated might be the right <laughs> word that dodger has gotten more requests so far 
than cookie and muffin combined. Oh, and, is that true? Yes. Cookie and muffin combined. Cookie oh. and muffin combined do not have the same amount of, uh, wow. of demand that two, Dodger has. Two cats do not even equal one dog. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you 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 have kept sending me more and more pictures of Dodger, and every time I get a package I th- of of those photos, I think, well, we're not going to need all these, and so far we have needed all of them. Oh wow! <laughs> well, listeners, if you'd like to uh, get your own unique photo of either Dodger or muffin or cookie. Uh, please tweet at us at, at GoFactorPod. And again, we thank you for your support. Today on GoFactor Self, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. He is a musician and writer who hosts the podcasts Roderick on the Line, Omnibus, and here on the Maximum Fun Network, Friendly Fire, it's John Roderick. Hello, John Roderick. Hello, hello. Hi. So wonderful for you to join us. You are in Seattle, Washington, am I right? Yes, in my in my podcasting bunker. Yes, well, speaking of bunker, uh, you cover a lot of uh, bunker scenarios on uh, the podcast Friendly Fire, which is a, a podcast uh, basically about war movies. What appealed to you about covering war movies in a podcast? Well, you know, the uh, initial premise just seemed like it was a real, it was a lot of low-hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. You watch a John Wayne movie and you make fun of it. But as um, as we dove into watching war movies, we realized that they're really a tremendous window on our culture, on history, on oftentimes uh, masculinity, hmm. right? Uh, throughout time, because uh, there, are, there are some war movies that don't even have a woman in them. What? Um, if you can believe it, just guys fighting, fighting, fighting. <laughs> the podcast went from being what we thought was going to be kind of a whimsical shooting fish in a barrel mm-hmm. to being a real an adventure in cultural criticism. And it's now kind of our favorite thing that any of us do. Oh, that's really neat. Wow. But for Max Fun donors, mm-hmm. we have a separate feed called the Pork Chop feed where we watch movies that are borderline war movies like... Maybe there's war happening next door, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like, <laughs> like Terminator, where it's like, yeah, it's a space war mm-hmm. of robots. And that's just for Max Fun Donor. Oh, okay. that's well, very cool. Lovely, lovely uh, another podcast that you do is with uh, the wonderful Ken Jennings called Omnibus. How did you and Ken Jennings connect? You know, Ken is from Seattle, and um, say no more. You just run so- into each other at the uh, coffee fish place. <laughs> Wait, Ken Jennings, <laughs> the the Jeopardy champion? Yes. Oh, wow! Yeah, greatest yeah. of all time. Uh, he um, he and I met at a at Bumbershoot, and he asked me to be a part of a book promo he was doing for one of one of his books on trivia. And you know, when you meet somebody and you just have an affinity for one another, we started just hanging out. And then it was actually um, Clear Channel that approached me through Chuck Bryant, frequent uh, Max FunCon attendee. To see if I could get Ken to do a podcast. What? <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. And they were like, no, no, no. See, can you put us in touch with Ken? And so I was like, yeah, okay. Here, and you what know, was your pitch ahead, to Ken, Ken that uh, did, did the trick? Oh, I had no interest in Ken doing a podcast oh. with these ding-dongs. <laughs> I was like, they want to talk to you. Chuck's a friend. You know, here's your number. And Ken, to his credit, said to them, yeah, I'll do a podcast, but it has to be with John. <gasps> wow. And, and all so, you wanted was an agency fee. Yeah, I just I'm not even <laughs> sure what I wanted. I wanted him to say no. But then we left uh we left the uh the network 
and went solo uh, about a year ago. So now we're an independent show. Uh, the main thing that Omnibus does is tell the stories of sort of strange but true events in history. What, what's been the strangest event that you think that you've covered, one that surprised you guys? Oh, you know, we get into... It's, it's um, what we're hoping is to, to do stories of things that we think are going to be lost mm. when the apocalypse erases history. Oh. So no matter how bad your apocalypse is going to be, probably the Rolling Stones are going to make it through. Right? right. I mean, Keith like, Richards has made it this far. What else could uh, yeah, could right? Him? You can't kill him. Yeah, right. The, like some futureling, some you know, sentient moss is going to still have heard the song "Satisfaction." <laughs> <laughs> but the sentient moss might not have heard of the Renault Le Car, mm. or the multiple defenestrations of Prague, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. We're trying to sneak all that stuff in. Uh, we're recording the whole podcast on platinum discs <laughs> and burying them in a salt mine. Sen- and s- Shooting sending them into, them into space. space. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's yeah. right. So that, the, so that the future Cthulhus can understand what we were doing. Oh, that's fantastic. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, uh, of course, you're a very successful podcaster now, but you have become a uh, very well-acclaimed musician. I'm, uh, even though a lot of people know you from your current band, The Long Winters, I understand that uh, your most recent release is not exactly new music. No, we, uh, I had a band 20 years ago called the Western State Hurricanes, and it was you know 20 years ago in Seattle. It was right in that period after grunge was no longer really viable, but before indie rock had fully bloomed. Mm. And the Western State Hurricanes were a band that, were, that had uh, you know, one foot in grunge or the, the, the tail end of grunge and one foot in a kind of nascent indie rock. And we made a record, but... Uh, the record never came out. The band was beset by all the woe betide of of band dynamics, and um, yeah, that woe betide will get you. It's the worst, right? It, but it's great for getting stains out. But uh, <laughs> but the record just sat on the shelf for twenty years, and finally, uh, uh, there was enough interest from people around here that I went back and reviewed it, and spent a lot of time working on it, and it finally came out um, just this spring right before coronavirus shut everything down. So we played two shows here in Seattle. And for a lot of people, I think those two shows were the last live music (gasps) they got to see before the. Wow. Well, what a way way to send them home. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But the record's called through with love and it's by the, it's by the band, the Western state hurricanes. You can find it on Bandcamp and all the other places. Excellent. Well, we're happy that we find you here on our show. It's Mr. John Roderick. Thank you so much for being here, John. Helen, Mm. against whom will John be competing? She is an actor, writer, and voice artist who can be heard on the Maximum Fun podcast, Mission to Zix, which she co-created. It's Mujan Zolfagari. Hello, Mujan. Hello. Hi. Uh, Mission to Zix, uh, here on the Max Fun Network, is an improvised sci-fi program, uh, which is amazing because when you listen to it, it doesn't sound improvised. What, what's the process of that? Because you bring in all of these amazing production quality and, and effects and all that. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we get together, there's six of us who are improvisers, we know each other from the, what used to be the Upright Sins Brigade in New York City. Um, We record and improvise for about an hour and a half, and then uh, we edit it all down together. It's all improvised, but we take away, you know, any plot lines that don't work, any things that we mess up on, and we make it a cute little 40 to 30 minutes long. 
But on top of that, we have a sound designer called Shane O'Connell who comes in there and for about 30 to 40 hours he spends <gasps> doing sound design and making it an, an amazing audible experience wow. through headphones. Like it really you is feel incredible. like it's a TV show. So, yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of post-production, but it's improvised. And there are wow. so many times I've been to improv shows in New York that I wish had been edited down to maybe yes, 30 or 40 definitely. minutes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> you co-created this show about people traveling on a spaceship, and you cast yourself as the spaceship. Hell yeah. <laughs> Where did that idea come from? You figure, uh, we, you figure what are they going to do, fire me? What are they going to fly yeah, on? They can't get rid of a ship. What are they going to be on land? That's another show. <laughs> I just always like the idea of just playing a very, um, and the character who is badass and speaks her mind. And I thought, what if just she's the ship? As simple as that. Are you murderous like Hal from 2001? No, I mean, she does accidentally throw people out of her hall into space. But you can't assume that they can't breathe, you know? Maybe yeah. they can breathe. As a writer, you've gotten to do some really fun projects, and uh, your more recent one uh, is with some characters that uh, people might be very familiar with. Yeah, I just got to write, and I'm writing for right now. It's a not-too-late show with Elmo. So I've become part of the whole Sesame Street uh, and Muppet-verse on total accident. I had not planned for this to happen. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, uh, some of our previous guests and experts uh, actually are working on that show as well. Uh, Jordan Morris, of course, who people yeah. know from uh, Jordan Jesse Go, and Kirk Thatcher, who we had on our show uh, as an expert on The Muppets. Uh, you're working with him as well. Yeah, it's such a fun, weird world, especially right now we're doing like Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you do as writers, you have Zoom meetings, sure. which, you know, aren't the best, but everyone in that room is such a character like mm -hmm. we all encapsulate a certain sesame character i think mm -hmm. like we do read throughs as the characters themselves so it's an ageless group of people <laughs> and uh what's it been like being part of this muppet universe as far as you know the kind of recognition that you get and uh that kind of sure thing? i just it's funny of of i've worked on a bunch of things not many things anyone's ever heard of the fact that i work to me is like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> of all of the projects i've worked on big or small this is the one that i've had a lot of my friends who are now becoming parents have reached out to me and they're like, oh, my child loves you. And I'm like, I didn't have to work for you. Like, I, I got a child's love immediately. <laughs> it, Elmo means so much to so many people. And I knew that, but you don't really, didn't really know that until I was working for, for the man, Elmo. I love that you're starstruck by yeah. a three-year-old Muppet boy. Actually, that's, I've worked on, so I've, you know, I've had a couple experiences. We've had celebrities on set for something, and celebrities generally don't get phased by anything, but working for the Not Too Late show, whenever we've had a celebrity come on set, they truly just see Elmo. They mm. don't see the puppeteer, Ryan, who's like another amazing human, but they just see Elmo, and they get transported back to who they were when they were three. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you last thing about this. There's a line in your bio that I, I think you're kidding about, but I also not sure, sure. Uh, which is <laughs> sure, it said, uh, she has horrified her Iranian parents and all her ancestors by pursuing a career in comedy. Uh, have you actually horrified your parents oh, and maybe ancestors? Oh, 100% yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> definitely. How do they express their horror? And has it gotten any better? Uh, well, no, my mom's in my accountant, so no. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Can't hide anything from her. Little by little, they're getting to, if they see me on screen, they're very happy to see me on screen. Mm -hmm. And then they ask me how much I was paid. If I've written <laughs> for something, they also ask me, like, well, why aren't you on screen? And I'm like, no, but that's not how writing works. And they're like, I don't believe you did it. Uh, one day they will be happy. But until then, they're not as horrified as they used to be. So. Well, we are very happy to have you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Mujan Zulfakari. 
Happy to be here. Excellent. John and Mushan, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. John, you told us you know a lot about muscle cars, the GMC RV, and what are you going to listen to when you're driving those muscle cars in the GMC RV? Why, of course, Judas Priest's albums, British Steel and Screaming for Vengeance. That's right. That's right. Although I am firmly a Generation Xer, I really decided to just super double down on the culture of 1979 to 1980. Well, we'll look forward to talking about one of those topics. Whereas Mujan, you said you know a lot about celebrity relationships and divorces, Farsi phrases, and the movie Gremlins. Yeah, those about sum up my personality. <laughs> All right. Well, later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, that's so dirty. First up, John. John, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Valerie Merriam DeBille of Austin, Texas. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right. Thank you, Helen. And thank you, Valerie. John, in the topic of that so dirty, they both are ways of expressing a thought that some people might find dirty. But what's the difference between obscenity and profanity? Obscenity and profanity. Well, I don't know what obscenity is, but I know it when I see it. Um, <laughs> Paraphrasing the Supreme Court justice who was right. in that uh, monumental decision. Obscenity is something that offends the senses, whereas profanity is dirty talk. It's dirty talk. Uh, all right, we've got John's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Mujan, uh, if you don't think he's got it right, you can steal. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like I, I did know at one point, and I have all these swear words in my head now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say he's right. You're just going to agree with John. I'm going to agree with John. That's a very interesting strategy. Well, this segment is becoming a bing that makes me want to Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Obscenity comes from the Latin word meaning offensive and is a reflection of how society as a whole views an expression. Material deemed to be obscene does not have protection from the First Amendment and may, in fact, be against the law. Profanity comes from a Latin word that means unholy and is a reflection of how a particular religious group views an expression. After all, profane is the exact opposite of sacred. Material deemed to be profane isn't necessarily against the law, but you shouldn't say it in church. Uh, that's right. Now, a quick way to think about it is obscenity could land you in jail, whereas profanity could land you in hell. Fortunately, I don't believe in either of those things. Helen, how did they do? Uh, I'm going to say neither one of you got that one right. Yeah, it was yeah. an interesting strategy to uh, agree yeah. with. Uh, it's a strong start. It's a strong yeah. start for but, me. But uh, you guys are in it together, and we appreciate that. All right, no points there. But up next in that so dirty, Mujan. Mujan, your question also comes from a listener. Who is this, Helen? It's from Trey Monahan of Portland, Oregon. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Trey. Mujan, in the topic of that so dirty, they both can make you dirty in the backyard, but what's the difference between soil and dirt? Soil and dirt. Soil and dirt. I feel soil is uh, natural and it's coming from the ground and it's more wet, while dirt uh -huh. is something you could add on to things and is more dry. As opposed to, as, as opposed to coming from the ground, what, it comes from the sky? 
it could come from some sort of exterior source, I believe. Ah, I see. Okay, an exterior source, <laughs> whereas soil is more of a, an internal process. Yes, yes. Excellent. All right, we have Mujan's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. John, what do you think? I like where Mujan was coming from. I feel like soil has been through a worm's butt. <laughs> huh. Haven't we all? Right, whereas dirt, it has not been through a worm's butt. And mm-hmm. so I guess dirt is pre-worm, soil is post-worm. <laughs> pre-worm and post-worm. You know, I, I did my post-wormal at Northwestern. <laughs> not a lot of people know that. Uh, all right, well, uh, it is time to bury this segment deep in the ground. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Soil is alive with living organisms and organic matter and supports life with naturally occurring nutrients and minerals. It is a complete and self-sustaining ecosystem and perfect for growing plants. Dirt has none of the organic materials found in soil and cannot support life. It is not good for growing healthy plants. And I know this because my pandemic hobby has been growing a garden on my balcony and my cucumbers are killing it. Excellent. And were those cucumbers planted in dirt, Helen? No, they were not. They were planted in soil. Ah. That's right. Soil is made up of elements that have been decomposing since Earth was created. Almost any living thing that's ever died ends up in soil. So remember, when you're relaxing in the garden, you could be hanging out with dinosaurs or your dead relatives. Helen, how did our guest do? Oh, shudder. You know, John, I'm going to give you half point for the worm's butt comment because that does imply that it is organic material. Also, you said worm's butt, which I think automatically gar- guarantees oh, yeah. anyone half yeah. a point in any question we ask. You know, yeah. we've, we've all said uh, worm's butt except Mujan. So, Mujan? All right. Starting off, worm's butt. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Next. Next question. I also, I, lo- I also love the concept of pre-worm's butt and post-worm's butt. Yeah. Ashes to ashes, butt to butt. <laughs> All right, what is our score at the end of this round, Helen? At the end of that round, John Roderick has a half a point and Mujan Zolfagari has zero points. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead and we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, everybody, it's Jay Keith again and Helen Hong. That's right. Hey, we got a great comment about the Max Fun Drive from one of our listeners. Daniel Curry said, it's Max Fun Drive. I joined to support JJ Go, Judge John Hodgman, and <gasps> Go Factor Pod. That's Yay! us. These shows keep me laughing and thinking. What more can you ask for? Wow. What more can we ask for than to have wonderful support from folks like Daniel? Thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. Um, we have heard from a lot of people uh, who appreciate our podcast, especially during this time of social distancing. It has been hard on all of us, but having familiar voices like ours, we hope, uh, make you laugh, think, interact, and feel normal. It's extremely important to a lot of folks. So if this sounds like you and you're able to join, I hope you can. Now, how to join? It's pretty easy. You go to MaximumFun.org slash join to become a member of Maximum Fun. Memberships at MaxFun start at only $5 a month, and that gets you so much bonus content as well. You're going to be able to access that as long as you're a member, and there's a whole lot of it already waiting for you right now, including a bonus episode that we produced uh, back in March that features a lot of our previous guests talking about what it meant to them to meet some wonderful experts. Uh, Who do we have on that uh, episode, Helen? Well, Emily Heller got to meet her hero, the Indigo Girls, because of our podcast, which is, come on now. 
That was really cool, yeah. And she came on and talked about what that experience was like. And we had, uh, let's see, uh, Ross Blotcher from Ono, Ross & Kerry uh, left us a lovely message. We talked to Jamie Loftus. That is available right now on the uh, MaxFun bonus content feed. And uh, now if you choose to join at $10 a month, you get a cool pin and the bonus content. And speaking of cool pins, we have a pretty cool pin here at Go Fact Yourself. Have you seen this, Helen? I have. It is very cool. I mean, I always enjoy the pins that come out every year, um, but this year is very very cool i really dig it i won't say that i designed the pin i will say that uh well helen you've seen my handwriting if my handwriting is that bad imagine what my drawing must look like (laughs) uh and yet this wonderful artist took that and turned it into this amazing pin that was exactly what i had in mind it's a it's a pin that says gfy facting champion because we talk about the winner of our show becoming the go fact yourself facting champion and it looks like one of those championship pins that you would get from uh, some sort of a sporting event i'm I'm really excited thank you for not using jay keith's handwriting because it really is it really (laughs) I don't know if that's a font. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But anyway, you can choose our pin or any of the pins uh, from the Max Fun Universe uh, if you choose to join at the $10 a month level. Uh, And if you join at $20 a month or more, there's even more special gifts and game packs and all that kind of stuff. Whatever you want to do, we're grateful for it. We got the swag. We have swag, swag. And we will give it to you for any amount of money, actually. So $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month gets you uh, different levels, varying levels of swag. Yeah, and we are very proud to be able to offer Go Fact Yourself for free to our listeners, but it's obviously not free to make. Yeah, especially during the pandemic time. Believe it or not, when we're doing these remote episodes with people in different parts of the country, recording over Zoom and recording themselves locally, it actually creates a lot of extra work for uh, our team, by which I mostly mean our (laughs) associate producer and editor, Julian, who is smiling right now as we say his name. We're very (laughs) grateful to have Julian. So please, if you can, support us with any amount by going to MaximumFun.org slash join, and then let us know on Twitter that you supported us, and we'll get you that picture of either Dodger muffin or a cookie. And now more of Go Fact Yourself. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is John Roderick with half a point and Mujan Zolfagari with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. John Roderick, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about muscle cars, the GMC RV, and Judas Priest's album, British Steel and Screaming for Vengeance. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about muscle cars. Yes, I was almost 100% lying when I said I know anything about muscle cars. Uh, Oh, uh, what is it that you like about muscle cars, though? I'm 51 years old, and so when I was in high school, all the stoners and pot dealers drove what now are really cool expensive like rad muscle cars and what then were just the cars that stoners and pot dealers drove and so as a teen i imprinted on camaros and novas because as a teen and i grew up in alaska as a teen you know you're just trying to find something so muscle cars became a thing that I taught myself a lot about, just like vintage guitars and all these things that no one cares about anymore and it doesn't help me at all to know about. Oh, except perhaps on this show. Except on this show. <laughs> yeah. By the way, in Alaska, the Nova is considered a muscle car. That's right, uh, right. it was. <laughs> the 72 Nova was a muscle car. <laughs> all right, John, you also said you know a lot about the GMC RV. Now that, I think, I think if you took a survey of all the people in America that are under the age of 90, Mm-hmm. who know about the GMC RV, I'm mm-hmm. probably, yeah, in the top <gasps> 20. Wow. 
Okay, now for those who only are hearing five letters and do not understand the context, That's what me. is that would or be was me. the yes? Uh, what what is or was the GMC RV? So very briefly, in the mid seventies, the General Motors Corporation, which is the Chevrolet and GM, uh, they decided that they were going to custom build an RV like a a Winnebago, a recreational vehicle, a recreational vehicle. But they were going to use all their most space age technology. It was going to be like a, it was going to be their signature vehicle, a platform where they could just show the world what a motorized vehicle could be. And so they came out with this RV that basically cost like if you were buying a yacht. Um, (laughs) And then all of a sudden gas went from 30 cents a gallon to $15 a gallon or whatever it was in 1975 prices. So this RV became kind of, they only made it for a few years. It became this strange vehicle that you would not recognize if it weren't the, maybe the the star of the movie Stripes featuring Bill Murray. Oh, that was theirs. That's the GMC RV. That's um, the GMC RV. Okay. And very briefly, uh, what about the GMC RV appeals to you? Did you ever get to have one or ride in one? So I I did at a certain point uh, several years ago, I decided that, um, what I was going to do was join RV culture. I bought a GMC RV and I attempted to drive it across America. It only caught on fire a handful of times. What? Um, <laughs> and I joined unwittingly this subculture of retired RV motorhead space race people. Wow. Uh, but uh, this group of enthusiasts has an underground network that's nationwide. And every time my RV caught on fire or broke down in some way, I would go on their secret network and there would always be someone within, I swear to you, within five miles of where I broke down. <laughs> and, and, by, and by secret underground network, uh, I assume you mean AOL? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Dial up. Yeah. And finally, John, you said you know a lot about Judas Priest's albums, British Steel and Screaming for Vengeance. Well, these records, I feel like, were the kind of peak of a certain kind of British heavy metal after these records, heavy metal just went right in the crapper. It became hair metal and stuff that none of us liked. And then it, then it balkanized and splintered into the thousand kinds of metal that live in the world today. Mm-hmm. And yet prior to British Steel, you couldn't really say what metal was. Was Black Sabbath metal? Was ACDC metal? You couldn't say that those things were metal exactly. Is Led Zeppelin metal? Not really. But when British Steel came out, Suddenly we knew what we meant when we said metal. This Mm. was metal. Judas Priest's British Steel. And then right around (laughs) then, you've got Iron Maiden. You've got, you know, you've got bands that there's nothing you could call these bands except metal. After that, you know, who knows what metal is? Who knows anymore? All right. Well, to summarize, John, you told us you know a lot about muscle cars, the GMCRV, and Judas Priest albums, British Steel, and Screaming for Vengeance. Today we're going to quiz you about... Muscle cars. Oh no! <laughs> muscle cars. You meant you told us it was one of the things you knew about. Okay, well, you you love it, and I'm sure that that love will show in the in this quiz. I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than my friend. Exactly. <laughs> right. uh, John, do you have a dream car? Is there a muscle car that you've always wanted to have, or that you have had? One of the I think the saddest things about this love of muscle cars I have is that I've never owned a muscle car. I have never <laughs> once just gone ahead and bought an old muscle car 
or even bought a car that had any muscle at all. Well, you were too busy tooling around in this RV that you had to get fixed. That's right. I mean, but the car that I've always wanted is the is a 1965 Pontiac GTO convertible. Mm. Uh, I feel like it's the sexiest of all cars. And yet I'm a podcaster, so I can't afford a good one. <laughs> Yet more reason to contribute to the Max Fun Drive. Let's get John a muscle car. All right, well, just ahead, John, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in this subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. Oh, but before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Mujan, listen closely, because if John answers incorrectly, you can steal. Mujan, by the way, how much do you yeah. know about muscle cars? You know, I've, uh, I've seen at least one in my life, so... <laughs> All right, John, better not give her a chance. She's ready to pounce. Yep, number 105. Four. <laughs> All right. All right, John, here's question number one for you okay. about muscle cars. All right, here we Though go. many people think of muscle cars as a thing of the past, Ford, Chevrolet, and Dodge each make a model of muscle car that continue to sell well, with over 180,000 units sold last year. Name one of these three best-selling models. The Ford Mustang. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, the Ford Mustang. Mustang, by the way, continues to be number one, but Challenger has passed Camaro as the number two selling muscle car. By the way, for our listeners, we did an entire segment about classic Mustangs with guest Greg Fitzsimmons on episode 31 of Go Fact Yourself. Oh, isn't that All right, John, you're on the board with a point there. Here's question number two. You will often hear of a muscle car having a Hemi engine. What does Hemi mean? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's the uh, hemispheric... Um, place within the piston, uh, the, the, the top, let's see where, where the piston, um, hits the, the top of its, uh, arc. <laughs> Just it's, say hemispherical. It's hem, it's, oh, I'm sorry. What does hemispherical uh, mean? Yeah. Hemi means hemispherical. I'm trying to trying to that describe the motor, and I'm, okay. that is correct. I, just, I couldn't watch a twist that any longer. It's just like yeah, uh, that is correct for the point. Whoever the expert uh, is, they're just rolling their eyes. At right <laughs> Hemi means it's, it's in the combustion chamber. That it's hemispherical. It, or it usually has a dome shape that is hemispherical. Uh, fun fact: while the Hemi name is usually associated with Chrysler products, the hemispherical combustion chamber can be found in many high-end performance engines, from Jaguar to Porsche, or to Porsche. Uh, John, you've gotten two already. Here's question number three, and I think it's something you might know about. Many consider the Pontiac GTO oh. to be the first real muscle car. Mm. It even inspired a top five hit song called GTO, probably better known as Little GTO, and was named a Motor Trend Car of the Year. John is uh, raising and lowering his arms in triumph already. <laughs> he doesn't even know the question. I don't it know. is this, I'm, John. I'm going to get this what wrong. What does GTO too. stand for? Oh, uh... Grand Touring. Um, you, you do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Oh, okay. Let's hear the hint. Okay, Helen, how about that first hint? It's Italian for homologated grand touring. Right. So it's it's the word homologated in Italian that I was missing because I got the grand touring part. Mm -hmm. Grand touring. It's an O, but uh, oh, it has to do with homologated. Right. So it means... Uh, Organizioni. <laughs> Organizioni. Is it, is it Grand Touring Organizioni? <laughs> it is not. No, Dang. I'm terribly sorry, but that does sound delicious. Yeah, Mujan with a chance delicious. to steal. Grand Touring 
Orgarino. Orgarino. Helen, is it Grand Touring or Magnino? Oh, I like the spin that you put on it, but no. No, it's not. No, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, You were close, John. It's Gran Turismo. Yeah. Omologato. 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 By the way, of course, uh, we all know that uh, homologated means approved for competition, as in John and Mujan have been homologated for this episode of Go Fact Yourself. Oh, that sounds dirtier Uh, than it should. Grazie mille. (laughs) Grazie mille. Uh, All right, John, no point there, but let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. In 1966, famed car designer Carol Shelby had 1,001 special racing Mustangs built so that they could be rented out to people who wanted to race them on weekends. What car rental company offered this rent-a-racer program? Hertz, the Hertz company. (laughs) That is correct. That is correct, Hertz. Hertz, by the way, continued its muscle car rental program as part of its adrenaline collection. Uh, They recently filed for bankruptcy. All right, you got the point there. Let's see how you can do with question number five. You still have one hint available. Oh, good, good. John, when Chevy first introduced the Camaro in the late 1960s, some found it was a little underpowered. So a dealership in Pennsylvania modified some of them by removing the engines and replacing them with more powerful Corvette engines. What is that dealership which gave its name to these legendary modified Camaros? Yanko. Helen? That is correct. He didn't need that hand. Congratulations, John. That is correct. It is Yanko. I'm such a boomer. I'm a boomer in disguise. You're a boomer. Yes. (laughs) Well, you did more than okay, boomer. You did quite well in that round. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. John, Hollywood has long been influenced by muscle cars from Fast and Furious to Mad Max to Joe Dirt or Joe Soil. But sometimes muscle cars are influenced by Hollywood. For up to three points, identify these three cars that are named for fictional characters from Hollywood. First, a Plymouth named for an animated animal. Second, a Pontiac named for a character from Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, sometimes played by Sammy Davis Jr. And third, a Ford named for the title character from a 1968 movie. Okay, what was the first one? First one, a Plymouth named for an animated animal. The Roadrunner. Okay, his answer for that. Second, the Pontiac named for a character from Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, often played by Sammy Davis Jr. Pontiac uh, Sunbird. The Pontiac Sunbird, okay. And finally, the Ford named for the title character from a 1968 movie. Uh, The Torino. Torino. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Joining us tonight is a car builder, writer, and the editor of Street Muscle Magazine. It's Vinny Costa. Hello, Mr. Costa. Wow. What's going on, everybody? Please don't call me Mr. Costa. It's Vinny. All right. (laughs) Vinny, uh, you sound like you may be of Italian heritage, so I want to apologize in advance for uh, all of the uh, omologato. That's extra pronunciation. Good job, guys. Yes, we we thank you for not hanging up and reporting us uh, to the authorities. Uh, In addition to being the editor of Street Muscle Magazine, you also are the editor of uh, Rod Authority, which covers hot rods. How do hot rods differ from muscle cars? Typically, when I'm exposed, Explaining it to non-car people, uh, it's like 30s, 40s, 50s cars fall under the hot rod banner, and uh, 60s, 70s, and now 80s cars fall under the muscle car banner. Uh, how did you get into muscle cars? I understand you got into it at a young age. Yeah, um, 
one day my dad uh, was nine years old he brought home a father and son project it's a 68 pontiac firebird i still own it today and it's actually one of the project cars on street muscle magazine your dad brought home a car for you and him to fix together when you were nine yeah and And you're still fixing it now (laughs) yeah oh yeah well it's it's pretty much uh done if you were to look at it but Mm -hmm. they're always changing uh you have a few other muscle cars in your collection tell us about those too yeah, so I got a 72 Monte Carlo, a 71 El Camino, 70 Mustang Fastback, a 2010 Camaro SS, um, and, you know, I'm sure there will be many more in the future. What's the car that you take down to the grocery store when you need some eggs? Uh, I daily drove the Firebird for three or four years while I was putting myself through college. So, yeah. Wow. That my and you would leave it in, like, the Kroger parking lot? As you cars are meant to be driven. Damn, <laughs> good man. That's so cool. Well, what's neat is that uh, you actually use the cars that you own in the magazine. You you share sort of how uh, with their history and how you build on that. Tell tell us about that. Sort of what what the focus of the magazine is because it's not just classic cars. It's also new tech. That's true. Uh, yeah. So you touched on it with your first question, but um, you know, late model cars are also considered muscle nowadays, and so each project car that we have on the magazine caters to a different market segment within the muscle car community. Some guys want to go drag racing. Some guys want to go and race around a road course and some guys just want to cruiser on the weekends. And so we try to cater to everybody in the magazine. And you say some guys, but uh, I imagine there are some female muscle car enthusiasts as well. No, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. We have a a huge um, female fan base uh, on our our Facebook page, which is our largest uh, group of fans and uh, they're very active in the community. So I'm assuming for especially the older cars, there's only a set number of parts that exist in the world, right? So it's it's just a constant like trading for parts or like salvaging for parts, or is it actually like changing parts so that you can use newer parts in these older cars? Yeah, um, you know, the aftermarket has uh, really started to cater to those groups where it was difficult to get those parts. And so now you can buy off the shelf items that are reproduced. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of times, especially with the older cars in the hot rod community, they're so obscure that you have to hunt at swap meets and, um, you know, trading posts. So, yeah, it can be difficult. Do you think we'll ever see an electric muscle car or a hybrid muscle car? Could, Could that even exist? 100% 100% man we are in the age of horsepower um wow, and uh, tell that to my Prius <laughs> the I Prius mean, is kind of a hot car actually come on well, Pri- the Prius my Prius goes from zero to 60 in six minutes <laughs> like it literally I'm like humble, come on come on humble beginnings that's for sure uh the the electric car community um but Mr. uh Musk has done um, a service to us all because to your point, yeah, there already are quote unquote electric muscle cars. And I might get killed for saying that um, by uh-huh. my, my fans, but uh, yeah. So last year at SEMA, which is the biggest automotive trade show in the world, pretty much um, there was a, an all electric Mustang. Um, there was also an all electric uh, Camaro. So yeah, um, I think the the big three auto manufacturers are, are listening to what the people need and want. Wow, really cool. but, but do they still make the noises though? No, unfortunately. <laughs> you have to go back to being a kid and just go Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the beauty of like, that's part of the attraction of having muscle car, but if it's electric and it's like, that's the argument. it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the argument that a lot of people make that, you know, it's kind of stealing the soul from quote the, the muscle car, but um, 
actually, I believe that the Mustang has a feature that plays through the speakers on the inside no. of the car. <laughs> no. And it goes, vroom, vroom. Yeah. Vroom, yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just put a baseball card in the, in the spokes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then very quickly, uh, tell us about the podcast that you do that's uh, all about this world as well. Yeah, so um, every Friday at noon Pacific time, uh, my co-host Greg Acosta, he's the editor of Engine Labs, one of my sister uh, titles. Um, we get together and we have uh, people from all, all walks of life, builders, uh, manufacturers, um, editors on the show, and we talk about all things automotive. It's called The Rodcast. Again, you can tune in and watch it every Friday at noon. That's great. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of John. First, we wanted to know, what was the Plymouth that was named for an animated animal from Hollywood? Helen, what did John say? John said Roadrunner. And uh, Vinny? That is correct. That is correct. A point for John. I think that's the only one I got. I think the other two. I'm pretty sure Sammy Davis Jr. did not play a character called Sunbird. <laughs> on the well, we'll, Ronan we'll Martin show. Okay. Uh, a little fun fact about that Roadrunner uh, one. Uh, Plymouth actually paid Warner Brothers $50,000 to use the Roadrunner decals, and it also had a special horn that went, meet me. No. Have you seen that in action, Vinny? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Um, I, yeah, I've actually done a few features on cars, uh, and they let me press the button. No, oh, and awesome. it goes, meet me. Yeah. No. It really does? I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, I think you got a new dream car, John. <laughs> All right, so the point there for John. Let's go to your uh, second question. Uh, we asked John, what was the Pontiac model that was named for a character from Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In that was sometimes played by Sammy Davis Jr.? Helen, what did John say that he is pretty sure is wrong? John said Sunbird. And uh, Vinny? John, you were doing so well, man. Yeah, um, thanks. Um, thanks. I know. Yeah, no, that is not correct. Um, it's actually uh, the GTO judge. The judge. Oh, the judge. Oh, ouch. The song and the sketch from Rowan and Martin's Laughing that people might remember is Here Come Here the Judge. Come the court's judge. in session, Here Comes the Judge. Sure. And they literally named a car model for that sketch. All right, no sure. point there, but fun to learn. Yeah. Uh, and finally, we wanted to know what was the Ford that was named for a title character from a 1968 movie? Helen, what did John say? John said the Torino. The Torino. And Vinny, is that correct? That is incorrect. Oh. No, I'm sorry, John. I think you're. I think if you had thought about it a little more, you might have gotten it. Vinny, what is the correct answer? It's actually Bullet. What car is called the Bullet? It's a Mustang. It's actually the Mustang Bullet, and it was a special edition um, that they made in uh, 2003, 2008, and uh, just recently, I think, 2016. Like, it's um, it's a new Mustang, but it's painted green, and it can, and it can jump down... You can get it yeah. get it in and, the air when you're being chased and, by a right. by a charger. Yeah. And it comes with Ali McGraw in the uh, passenger seat. <laughs> nice. Yes. No, that's of course a reference to the uh, Steve McQueen movie from nineteen sixty eight. I'm completely oblivious to the fact that they that, that Ford did that. I mean I don't know how it how it missed me, but That's right. That was a little, that definitely was a little tricky. It's a great uh, movie. All right, John, you still did pretty well. Is there anything you'd like to uh, ask or say to our expert while we have him here? Uh, well, you know, I would love to collaborate with you sometime on a uh, on a custom '65 uh, GTO. If you ever get if you ever get like an old wreck in there, and you want somebody to like help you envision it, John, you'll be the first person I call. Okay. <laughs> uh, Vinny, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Um, check out StreetMuscleMag.com. Check out RodAuthority.com, and of course, uh, give us a, a follow on Facebook. And um, yeah, check it out. Excellent. Well, we're so glad that you stopped by. Thanks so much, Vinny Costa. It was great meeting you, Vinny. Thank you. You too. Bye. Everybody take care. Thank you. All right.
Uh, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, John Roderick has five and a half points, and Mujan Zolfagari has zero points, with a round of questions from Mujan coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Mujan about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, John and Mujan will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. (laughs) Stop Podcasting Yourself on MaximumFun.org. yourself where our score is John Roderick with five and a half points and Mujan Zofagari with zero points. Once again, here's Jake Van Strat. Thank you, Helen. All right, Mujan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about celebrity relationships and divorces, Farsi phrases, and the movie Gremlins. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about celebrity relationships and divorces. Yes, it's not necessarily something I seek, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I t- like to th- think of myself as a, a worldly person who listens to NPR, New York Times, and Vox. But like, since I've been since I was young, I've been following this one news site. Uh, oh no, they didn't on Live Journal, which still exists <laughs> yes. and it's still vibrant. Wow! And it's my number two thing I go to in the morning. So even if I don't want to know, I've for the past two decades have at least been keeping at, on, you know, up to speed on who's doing who and what's happening <laughs> in the world. Very that, important in these days. That is a very wide range of people. Like celebrity relationships mm-hmm. and divorces encompasses like musicians, actors. Yeah. Like just there's a lot of people that are encapsulated and you you keep up with all of them. Well, it's not that I necessarily keep up. It's just it's there and it sometimes seeps into my brain. Mm. You know, back in the day when we used to do trivia, that was the one that I'd be that person at the table <gasps> be like, that's what I know. Got it. Ooh. And then, of course, it was geography. And I'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, you also said you know a lot about Farsi phrases. Yes. <laughs> Well, I guess this is very personal to me because I know Farsi. Mm-hmm. And so I know Farsi phrases. I'm I it's my first language, although I definitely get made fun of by other Iranians for having a very thick American accent. Interesting. Can you give us an example of, of what some something somebody sure, might pronounce I mean, with I an Iranian accent it. versus an American accent? Well, you know, Iranians are very melodic. They speak in a very melodic tone, like uh, and I'm just like <laughs> so not just American but Southern yeah. Yeah. what are some of your favorite phrases in Farsi either because of how they sound or what they mean maybe we don't have them sure, in American it's generally the swear words because they aren't necessarily swear words they're very strange sentences like which means dirt on your head which is like which basically means like damn you or yeah. f you by the way i like how you like combine both of our what's the difference topics in that phrase dirt yeah. and soil and then profanity I know. <laughs> and i knew neither of them so <laughs> and finally mujan you said you know a lot about the movie gremlins yeah i mean about a year and a half ago i watched the movie for the first time in my entire life oh, wow uh i know i didn't grow up with it i think i was too much of a scared kid to watch gremlins but i just fell in love with that adorable creature gizmo 
who is also, you know, the death destroyer of all worlds in a way. He's <laughs> and, cute. And you related to a cute death destroyer? Yeah, you know, he's complicated. There's a lot going on. If there's water on him, monsters will come out of him. But, <laughs> but it's like the first time in many years I got so committed to one character or mm. a, a project or something or a show that I bought merch and I never buy merch. What kind of merch did so you I, get? Right now I have a gizmo, like animatronic doll in the back of my car. No. Who, if you turn on, he kind of gives, does the sad gizmo song Stop that gizmo it. does. You have, like be- a, you have like a moving, talking yeah. gizmo in your car. Yeah. But what's horrifying is the fact that I haven't turned it on in a very long time and it's been in the back of my car facing, <laughs> you know, the outside and the sun has caused its neck to turn yellow. Oh, no. The neck that rotates has become became like boiled in for some reason. So now it doesn't move its neck anymore. Uh, but it's adorable. Oh, she says until it comes to kill her. That's yes. in the movie, right? Like, don't get water <laughs> yeah, right. on it, and also don't leave it in the back of your car. Yeah, don't leave it in the back of your car. That's right. Well, it is bright light. So, so to summarize, Mujan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about celebrity relationships and divorces, Farsi phrases, and the movie gremlins today we're going to quiz you about the movie gremlins yay uh, now mujan you mentioned that you have this gizmo doll uh, in your car that sings the sad gremlin song can you can you give us a few bars of that what does that sound like oh boy oh no yeah well no wonder who wouldn't want to drive around to the sound of that uh, do you have a favorite scene or favorite line from the movie gremlins oh just anytime Gizmo in the first movie is watching television mm-hmm. and he just cuddled up. It's just any scene Gizmo's being adorable, guys. Oh, the first <laughs> time he looks Gizmo in the eye or when Gizmo sings his song. <laughs> oh, lovely. Aww. So well, oh, you do a good Gizmo. You do a very good Gizmo. Gizmo. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, guys. If he's so cute. Uh, again, so he's uh, again. Evil does come from him. I'm very yes. aware. <laughs> right, but let's focus on the cute, the cuteness for now. Yeah. All right. Well, just ahead, Mujan, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the movie Gremlins, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Now, John, do listen closely because you can steal if Mujan gets any wrong. John, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Gremlins? Gremlins came out when I was 16 years old. And I already felt that it was a kid's movie and I was too old (laughs) and sophisticated to watch a movie about little things. Although I was a huge Phoebe Cates fan Mm -hmm. from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, But Gremlins completely missed me. And the other day, my nine-year-old daughter said that she wanted to watch Gremlins. And I said, I don't know, Gremlins, really? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, you if you were too cool at sixteen, yeah. then it, you know. Sure, you don't want to watch Bad just... News Bears? And she was like, No, I want to watch Gremlins. So I could have watched it two days ago, oh. and I would be just ready to steal here. But as as it goes, I just am. I'm not a Gremlins expert. All right, Mujan, it. it sounds like this is your quiz to lose. Well, uh, we'll see. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, here we go. Your first question about the movie Gremlins. According to the grandson of the owner of a peculiar shop in Chinatown, Gremlins come with three rules, all of which somehow get broken in the movie. Name one of these three rules. Uh, don't feed them after midnight. 
Helen? That is correct. That is, of course, correct. The other, don't expose them to bright light and don't get them wet. Uh, Fun fact, that shop owner was played by the great Key Luke, who became famous first in the 1930s, playing the son of Charlie Chan in a series of movies where Charlie Chan was played by a white guy from Sweden. Later, he provided the voice of Charlie Chan in the 1972 Saturday morning cartoon The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, making him the first Asian actor ever to play Charlie Chan. (laughs) Representation matters, people. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, here we go. Question number two. What comedian, actor, and talent show judge provided the voice of... Howie Mandel. I knew that one. That is correct. correct. (laughs) Provided the voice of Gizmo. Uh, Fun fact, Howie Mandel has said in interviews that the voice of Gizmo is the same voice he used for Skeeter in Muppet Babies, to bring it back to the Muppets, and Bobby in Bobby's World. Hey, if you can do one thing well, (laughs) why not? All right, you're two. I mean, how does he make his voice so cute? Bring it up like this. (laughs) Just like that. All right, you're two for two, Mujan. Here's question number three. Billy's dad, Rand Peltzer, fancies himself an inventor. Name two of the inventions we see in the movie branded with the Peltzer name. Oh, sure. Uh, One is um, uh, an an ashtray that's broken. It doesn't work. Okay. Is that one of them? And then the other one is an orange juicer. Is an orange juice maker that then spurts out just like tar for some reason. (laughs) Helen? That is correct. That is correct, yes. The orange juicer, the smokeless ashtray, which was featured uh, toward the end of the movie. Uh, Also, the bathroom buddy. Then there was an egg cracker, a coffee maker, uh, and a mixer and blender. Uh, Fun fact, we also see a remote control light dimmer and a phone answerer, an electric hammer, a power fly swatter, a power card shuffler, but none of those had the Peltzer brand as those did. Uh, All right, Mujan, you were three for three. Here's question number four. You do still have two hints available. In addition to its main cast, Gremlins features appearances from actors who we associate more with memorable roles on memorable TV shows. But which one of the following people is not in the cast of Gremlins? Is it the actor who plays Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Flo from the sitcoms Alice and Flo, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager, the mayor from The Wire, or Heather, the daughter from Mr. Belvedere. Oh, I might need a clue for this one. Okay, well, do you want to sound it out a little bit first? Sure, so the first one, I know Mike, he plays a deputy Mm -hmm. in it, and he's in Better Call Saul. Uh, For the rest of them, I don't know. I think the guy from Voyager might be in it, but... Oh, no, I think I was too focused on Gizmo that I really <laughs> had to focus on the humans. What are all these humans doing in the way of my beautiful Gizmo? Uh, all right, Helen, how about that first hint? The mayor from The Wire was in the movie. Okay. Can you repeat again? I can. So Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Flo from the sitcoms Alice and Flo, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. We now know that the mayor from The Wire was yeah. in the movie. And then Heather, the daughter from Mr. Belvedere. Heather, the daughter from Mr. Belvedere? Helen? That is not correct. No! No, I'm terribly sorry. John Roderick with a chance to steal. I'm going to say it's the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Congratulations, John. Uh, There's a bit of a tricky question because uh, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager is played by Robert Picardo, who is in a lot of movies by this director and, in fact, is in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Just to clarify for our listeners, Jonathan Banks plays Mike Ehrman Trout on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. He plays the police deputy, as Mujan mentioned. Polly Holiday, who played Flo, plays Mrs. Deagle, one of the main villains in the movie. Uh, Glyn Turman, who played Mayor Royce on The Wire, 
plays the teacher, and Tracy Wells from Mr. Belvedere plays one of his students. All right, a uh, very tricky question, a very good steal from John Roderick. Mujan, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. <laughs> While wreaking havoc, the Gremlins play a miniature version of what popular 1980s arcade game? Oh. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use a that hint, second please. hint. A hint, please. how about says, that yeah. second hint? Second hint. The opening music to the arcade version of this game sounds like this. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> Excellent hint, Helen. That was a good hint. hint. So it has to be something in the 80s that was big that an arcade Pac-Man? Helen, is it Pac-Man? It is not Pac-Man. No, right. I'm terribly sorry, right. John, That's with a chance to steal. Helen's rendition of the song was so good that I knew oh. it instantly because I'm old. It is Donkey Kong. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for another successful steal from John. I'm sorry, Mujan. That's all right. You still did pretty well in that round. But now, Mujan, here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. One of the great things about Gremlins is that it crosses so many genres. Comedy, fantasy, action, Christmas, science fiction, and even horror. In fact, at the 1984 Saturn Awards, presented annually by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, Gremlins won the award for Best Horror Film, beating out A Nightmare on Elm Street, among others. The movie won four other Saturn Awards that year for Best Supporting Actress, Best Music, Best Special Effects, and Best Director. For up to three points, name three of the people who won these awards. Best Supporting, uh, Phoebe Cates. Okay. Best Director, uh, Joe Dante. Okay. And then could you repeat the other ones? The others were either Best Music or Best Special Effects. I'm going to go with, he didn't do this, but I'm just going to guess, John Williams. (laughs) John Williams. (laughs) All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an award-winning director and producer who directed the movie Gremlins. It's what? Joe Dante. Oh my gosh, this is insane. I've learned so much about muscle cars tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. What an honor. Well, thank you. Uh, well, in addition, of course, to Gremlins, you're the director of Gremlins 2, Inner Space, The Howling, The Burbs, Small Soldiers, hundreds of TV episodes. It's, it, it's quite an honor and a treat to have you. Um, I was interested in learning that you actually got your start in movies cutting trailers for Roger Corman. Uh, trailers are a great way to learn how to make movies because you have to take a whole movie and compress it down to three minutes and... You get to look at all the different ways in which scenes can be recut, and you know it, it's uh, it, a lot of trailer editors have actually gone on to become directors. That's great. Uh, you had a, quite a variety of material that you were making trailers for. Uh, you would do sort of these these grindhouse type films, and then you would also do trailers for Fellini pictures. Well, Corman was uh, releasing a lot of drive-in movies, and he was also uh, one of the few people who was still running uh, foreign films because the big studios had decided not to do it. So I did the trailer for Amarcord and Small Change, and I met Truffaut mm. and I met Fellini, and it was like, uh, it was it was a great time, you know. And I'm did, just some kid from New Jersey, you know. What do I know? And uh, d- does does the approach change uh, depending if you're doing a Fellini movie or a sort of a more exploitative? Film? Uh, well, if you if you're doing a good movie with good photography and and good scenes, you can do a better trailer. But when sure. you do a, a, a low budget movie, you have to disguise the low budget. 
and mm. you have to sort of fake things. We had a, this exploding helicopter that we used to cut to. Uh, whenever the trailer got dull, we would put the exploding helicopter in it, whether it was in the movie or not. <laughs> Speaking of trailers, you uh, run a site called Trailers from Hell, which is so wonderful. It's such a great uh, way to study and learn about movies and also very entertaining. And uh, the, the mechanism that you use for people who don't know is you do movie commentary via the trailer for those movies? Well, we try to find contemporary filmmakers that audiences can relate to who talk about movies that maybe uh, some of the younger people might not have been able to be exposed to. When, when I was a kid, we would, old movies were everywhere. Uh, and now it's much harder to see those kind of things. And so by our on our website, we have a lot of contemporary filmmakers talking about movies that meant something to them or, or, or analyzing movies that uh, they think people should know about. Uh, and that's led to also our podcast, The Movies That Made Me, which is um, mm -hmm. also uh, geared at trying to get people to uh, be familiar with movies they might not otherwise encounter. You started with uh, seven trailers and people explaining uh, what they love about those movies. How many trailers do you have now on Trailers From Hell? We have almost... I can't believe it, but almost 2,000 oh, trailers. Wow. Uh, you also include uh, reviews that you had written when you worked for Film Bulletin in uh, the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, do you, What's it like to reread reviews that you wrote back then? Well, it's a little embarrassing because when you're not a filmmaker and you can be very critical of movies that you, re you mm. see. <laughs> and when I look back as a filmmaker to some of the things that I said about other people's movies, I think, boy, you know, if I knew then what I know now, <laughs> I never would have been so glib about, you know, how it's hard to make a movie. It's hard to make even a mm. bad movie. You know, if, if a movie is good, you know, it's it's great. But, you know, it, just to, to make a picture and get it done and get it released is a huge achievement. You know, uh, I, I am working on a new uh, Gremlins uh, animated series. Yes, let's talk about that. Which um, I just learned in the last couple of days that Howie Mandel is no longer doing the voice of Gizmo. Oh, Having just listened to this podcast, I now see that there is a perfect contender to be able to replace him. Oh my God. I am ready. I'm available whenever you want. Mujan, Mujan, we, we, I have no writers. I'm very easy. I'll do it for low money. Mujan, it doesn't matter. We are going to be expecting our cut. We were you there. Just on unit. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm so our agency fee. Is a steep. <laughs> yeah, uh, although Helen, I should say, uh, Mujan, I don't know if that's the best negotiating tactic uh, that you're starting you with. You can pay me in dirt I... or soil; it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's a very nice compliment, uh, Mr. Dante. Uh, tell us about the uh, this animated series and uh, how you're being involved with it. Well, it's you know, for a long time they were trying to come up with a reason to make Gremlins three, and the people at the studio hated Gremlins two so much that they really couldn't figure out a way to make another one, and they didn't. Frankly, they weren't too. They weren't too crazy about Gremlins 1 either. Um, but, That's crazy. But Gremlins 2 was sort of designed to be like, well, go ahead and top this. Go ahead and try to mm -hmm. find something that's crazier than this. And so instead of trying to do that, they wisely, I think, went back into a prequel mode to say, okay, well, how did this Mogwai thing happen? You know, what, what, what was the story? How did this, this old Chinese guy encounter this gizmo character? And mm -hmm. which, of course, takes you back to 1920s Shanghai. So uh, cool. it's, a, it's an animated series, and it's uh, a lot of people who love the movie are working on it. And I've been consulting on it, and I think it's it look it looks great. It's going to be on HBO. I I can't 
I can't HBO plus HBO max. I don't, I don't know. HBO what, max. I don't know what the hell these, these things are, uh, <laughs> but it's probably, it won't be out until next year, but it's everything I've seen looks very promising. And I think it's a really smart way to revive the franchise because they've, they've been trying with no success for the past 10 years to come up with a reason to make another movie and there really isn't one except to make money. So, so <laughs> this is, I think, a really good way to get back into that franchise. Well, speaking of uh, animation, we, we, what's amazing uh, re-watching Gremlins as I did the other day is that uh, this was before CGI. Uh, Why was it ever? <laughs> you know, you, you heard the, the emotional resonance that, that this movie and especially Gizmo had for, for, for Mujan. Uh, and those are just puppets. Well, I know. that's What's remarkable is that Mujan saw it like, what is it, 30, 35 years after right. the movie was made? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if the movie was made today, they would use none of those techniques because they're, right. all, they're all obsolete now. It's all puppetry. Uh, and it was extremely daunting to try to be able to, to make that movie with the technology that existed because we had to keep inventing. Well, it'd be in the script. Gizmo does this. No, no, he can't do that. Uh, how about if he does this? No, he can't do that either. How about he walks from here to here? No, he can't do that either. So we have to put a backpack and put him on the kid's shoulder. And the original script had Gizmo turning into Stripe the Bad Gremlin after half an hour. Hmm. And that meant there was just nothing but bad gremlins for the whole second half of the movie. And Spielberg, you know, I think the, 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 the genius decision that made the picture successful enough to still be popular. He said, no, no, I, now that I've seen the gizmo design, I like him, I don't want him to turn into a bad gremlin, I want him to be the kid's pal, and essentially turned it into a boy and his dog movie with mm. boy and his mogwai. Uh, wow. Except the problem we had was that, you know, the technology was so primitive that right. we were suddenly faced with the idea of taking this, this very small puppet and trying to make it into a character that could last for an entire movie. And it, and it was a, an am, amazingly difficult challenge. And uh, where are the actual gremlins nowadays? I mean, I have a couple of them in my, in my, uh, in my back room, but uh, it, it, the, the rubber just sort of falls apart. Because uh, we couldn't use any of the original Gremlins and the Gremlins too, because too much time had elapsed. Really, even in that, even in just those few years. No, and also uh, Rick Baker redesigned them a little bit, so right. they didn't really quite look like the original Gremlins. But uh, but there's all these uh, toys out from NECA, this Japanese company, that does these figurines and stuff, and some of them are um, amazingly accurate and good. I mean, originally Hasbro was uh, quickly hired to do merchandising for the show after the Warner Brothers exec executives saw the gizmo footage of him coming out of the box. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty lukewarm on the movie until they saw that shot. And then they went, holy <laughs> shit, we can actually, you know, we can merchandise this thing. And so they had to go full court press to get a lot of toys out quickly. And some of them, frankly, weren't really very well made. Mm. But in, in recent years, uh, the quality has been impeccable. And I, I go to these, you know, uh, autograph shows and stuff like that. And people bring me these life-size uh, puppets that are made, I, I guess, in Japan, and although I don't know who makes them. And, and, and they're, they're as good or better than the ones that we were using for the movie. Wow. Mm. And the last thing I wanted to ask is, uh, have you kept in touch with the cast over the years? Is this such a oh, sure. Film no, I, I've, uh, I, I talked to Zach. I talked to Phoebe um, and, um, uh, and everybody else who isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> because some of them are. That helps. Uh, and uh, no, we're, we're a pretty tight-knit group, uh, you know, uh, because this has become 
an unexpected phenomenon. I mean, nobody, nobody making the movie ever thought that it would be as popular as it was. I mean, it was this, it was this phenomenon. It was, it, it opened the same day as Ghostbusters, which cost four times what our picture did. And wow. we ended up being neck and neck with it all over the country. What a weekend. What an iconic wow. weekend <laughs> for boys Those and girls. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I could talk to you about this all night, but let's get to the reason that we got you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Mujan. We want to know three of the four winners of the Saturn Awards uh, in 1984 that were from the movie Gremlins. Uh, Mujan gave us an answer for Best Supporting Actress. Helen, who did Mujan say? Mujan said Phoebe Cates. Well, and, I'm uh, afraid that's not correct. Oh. No. Who did win that? I believe it was Polly Holiday. It was Polly Holiday, right. who we mentioned earlier, who played uh, Mrs. Deagle. Uh, no point there, I'm sorry, but a very reasonable guess. All right. Uh, next, Mujan gave us the answer for the winner for Best Music. Helen, who did Mujan say who she says she knows is not the correct answer? <laughs> Mujan said John Williams. And Mr. Dante? Uh, well, it was it was Jeff, uh, it was Jerry Goldsmith, who, sure, sure, who yes. actually... Uh, was neck and neck with John Williams for a long part of their career until yeah. Jerry had the temerity to die. <laughs> the nerve. Yeah, the nerve. But both very very accomplished uh, film composers. It's easy to, to mix them up. Uh, and then finally, uh, the answer that Mujan gave for who won the Saturn Award for Best Director. Helen, what did Mujan say? Mujan said Joe Dante. And? I, I, I had my uh, my Saturn Award for a long time as a, as a doorstop because um, <laughs> Saturn, Saturn Awards are, are uh, they don't last long. They're, they're they're, they're, this is 1984. You know. Are they also made of rubber, like the Gremlins? <laughs> no, no, they were they were made out of some sort of pseudo metal, uh, okay. and they didn't really. I don't know very many people who got Saturn Awards during that period who actually still have theirs. Oh, okay. I hope the, I hope the Oscars last longer. Than wow, pseudo metal. Yikes. Yes. But the correct answer was Joe Dante. So that's a point for uh, Mujan. Very good. Uh, Mujan, is there anything you'd like to uh, say or ask of our expert Joe Dante while we have well, him here? A thousand things. First of all, I'd like to uh, apologize for being so laser-focused on Gizmo. It's perfectly okay. I didn't remember so many of the actors. But um, that scene in the first movie where everyone is uh, playing darts with Gizmo, mm -hmm. the rumor is it's because the cast and the crew were so frustrated with just Gizmo uh, in general. A, that's like how not just a that rumor. True? That's actually true. Gizmo, oh, wow. Gizmo, because he was so small uh, and had been asked to do so much more than he was supposed to do, kept breaking down. And the more he broke down, the more people had to sit around and wait for him to be fixed. So one of the things that we did was we put a, a, a sign up on the, on the uh, wall of the studio and said, uh, horrible things for the Gremlins to do to Gizmo. And it was basically because the crew was just sick and tired of having to, you know, sit around and wait for this bucket of bolts to, to work. <laughs> and so uh, the, the one we liked the best was the dartboard. And so we, we did the dartboard. <laughs> That's so great. That's really cool. Mr. Dante, it was an honor to have you join us. I hope we get to have you back when someone inevitably will choose another one of your many classic movies as a, as a topic. Uh, people want to find out more about you and your work. Uh, tell us about the website they can go to. Trailersfromhell.com, uh, where we have uh, just under 2,000 trailers uh, with commentaries by people like Guillermo del Toro and 
John Landis and uh, Eli Roth and, you know, a, a whole lot of really interesting people telling you what they think about those movies. And then we have on that same site or on Instagram or whatever you got, we have our podcast, which is the movies that made me where people talk about the movies that made them want to be in the movies. It's not just one of those interview shows where they talk about their work. They talk about what, you know, what inspired them. And uh, we've been doing a, lot, a bunch of pandemic episodes where we have more than five or six people talking about what they're watching during the shutdown. And it's uh, a lot of people have uh, found it, it it steers them to things that they might not have uh, known about. And uh, it's been it's been fun. It's like giving back. Well, you have definitely given back to us, and your movies have been an inspiration to many people, including a lot of us right here. Thank you again so much for joining us, Mr. Joe Dante. Thanks. Yay. Thank you. I loved Inner so Space. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and thank so you. And thank about. you for the thank you for the muscle car info. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Helen, what is the score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, John Roderick has seven and a half points and Mujan Zolfagari has four points. Oh, All right, but now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with John and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This should determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. John, Mary-Kate, and Ashley Olsen were born on the same day. True. Correct. Mujan, most twins are born on the same day. True. Correct. John, Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal were born on the same day. False. Correct. That's right. She's three years older. Mujan, Marilyn Monroe and Mr. Rogers were born on the same day. True. Incorrect. John, Marilyn Monroe and Jimmy Carter were born on the same day. False. Correct. Mujan, Marilyn Monroe and Andy Griffith were born on the same day. True. Correct. John, George W. Bush and Sylvester Stallone were born on the same day. True. Correct. Mujan, Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin were born on the same day. False. Incorrect. No, they really were. John, Gladys Knight and Rudy Giuliani were born on the same day. True. Correct. Wow, yes, it is true. Mujan, as a lawyer, Rudy Giuliani used to represent Gladys Knight. True. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry, he didn't. John, Gladys Knight sang at one of Rudy Giuliani's three weddings. True. Incorrect. No, and finally, Mujan, Rudy wanted her to sing, but after the first two divorces, he could only afford the pips. True. Uh, no, not true. No, that's all right. We're not going to count those last two. I wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be true, too. I wanted it to be true as well. Who doesn't want to go see Rudy and the Pips? Let's give thanks to Mujan and John Roderick as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score of tonight's game? I am. At the end of the game, John Roderick has 12 and a half points and Mujan Zolfagari has six points. Congratulations, John. You. you are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Oh, I feel like I should give half my points to Mujan. Uh, but uh, you would like to give six and one quarter six points? and one quarter points. <laughs> Wait a minute, no, that would put her in the lead. That would that be would a, make it a tie. <laughs> no, oh, I'll share, be great. Yeah, this is, I love this. What's happening? What a startling turn of events! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that just leaves us the opportunity to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. John Roderick, where can people find you? Well, as you know, we're in the middle of the Max Fun Drive, which was postponed many times, and so all of us at Max Fun appreciate uh, listener support. And my show, Friendly Fire, is um, a thing we're super proud of making. So want to encourage everybody to uh, to go to max Simum. maximumfund.org Fund. slash, slash donate. 
Don't join. Don't slash joinate. Join join Tate. Max, please go to joinate. I'm dying to see what's living there. Uh, Mujan, where can people find you? Uh, so Mission to Zix is also part of the Max Fun Drive. Again, go to that website we just said. <laughs> um, also, we're in the fourth season, but you could start in the beginning like a TV show. Um, I'm also in the current season of At Home with Amy Sedaris on True nice. TV. Nice. At, and Not Too Late Show with Elmo is on HBO Max right now. And if you want to follow me on social media, which I'm not really on, and you'll be very disappointed, I'm at Mujan Z on Instagram or as my ship, Bargerian Jade, at Bargerian Jade on Twitter. Well, mm. we are the opposite of disappointed. We are thrilled that we had Ms. Mujan yeah. Salfagari. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is your friend and mine, Ms. Helen Hong. Yes, uh, I host a show called Go Fact Yourself. Oh, what is that on? <laughs> it is on Maximum. <laughs> oh, boy. It is on. You can donate uh, to us at, at maximumfund.org slash slappy pants. Yep, slash slappy pants. Slappy pants. Oh, boy. Yeah, or something like that. Um, and then you can follow me on the socials at funny Helen Hong. Don't follow not funny Helen Hong. She ain't right. funny. Follow right. the funny one. Funny. The funny, the Helen, the Hong, Ms. Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank John Roderick, Mujan Zalfagari, Vinny Costa, Joe Dante. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live someday. It's free. Go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Joey Madavi did. He, she, or they said, I support Helen and Jay Keith and the Go Fact Yourself pod people by pledging and listening. Well worth the investment. Thanks, Joey Madavi. Did you go to maximumfund.org slash puppy whistle? <laughs> what is it? What was it? <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Kirk Carley, Mark Johnson, Robert Quigley at Motor Trend, Scott J. Langtow, Spencer Marks, Alex Kirschenbaum at Renfield Productions, Dr. Milo Harpstead, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go look at cute gremlins and drive muscle cars. That's a thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's not a singing show, but uh, we really do want to thank you because if you've gone that extra mile to become a Max Fund member, thank you, thank you so much for making this show possible. You would not be listening to this show right now and the thousands of others who do if it weren't for your support. I thank you. Jakey thanks you. My dog Dodger thanks you. Cookie and Muffin the Cats thank you. Um, and if you join now, you can get a picture of, of one of our pets.
as grateful as we are, I got to say a very, very tiny percentage of people who listen to this show have gone ahead and become Max Fund members. If we can increase that just by even a little bit, if you're listening now, if we've brought you any pleasure or joy or a fun fact that you can share over the last uh, months and years, please do consider joining. If we can just up the percentage of our listeners who become Max Fund members by even just a little bit, it makes a huge difference and we can go on to do even more big and wonderful things as the months progress. We Either promise way, we, it will make you feel good. Absolutely. We promise. If you Absolutely. join and give us and kick us a little bit of dough, we promise you will feel good about it. Yes. Now, if you haven't had a chance to become a member yet, or if you do want to upgrade or boost your membership, again, you can do that at MaximumFun.org slash join. That's MaximumFun.org slash join. No, it is just join. We were just kidding about that part. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. We'll see you soon. And thank you so much for listening to Go Fact Yourself. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.